Hello, my friends, and thank you for tuning in to Weird Mythic Podcast. <laughs> it's me, Naomi. I hope you've had a good week. Sorry for the late episode. Uh, I've just been real busy this week. Shit happens, but I, uh, this should be uploaded and able to be listened to by Easter Sunday. So if you celebrate the holiday, happy Easter. I hope everybody you know, has a great time spending it with the family. <laughs> uh, so I just got back from the farmer's market. I got myself some good Indian food and some pastries, and I tried this awesome new chai. So I'm definitely have to go back and get more of this chai next weekend also. So I hope everybody just enjoys this freaking weather here in California. It's amazing. So great. Okay, so I actually have some recaps, or not recaps, haha. I have some updates on the true crime cases that I've been following, like real ones. So the Lori Vallow case, you know, the one who's going to murder this year for killing her seven-year-old son and 16-year-old daughter, along with conspiracy charges. Anyways, this week, as of April 3rd, she is still like, you know, of course, in custody and whatnot. But, but, but anyways, the state of Idaho is starting their jury selection. So I haven't read up on it since like maybe Thursday, but I know they're getting dwindling down who's going to be in the jury. So we're getting that much closer to having her on trial and see what's going on. Another update and one that I can now completely erase and get rid of from my list so Madeline McCann case, how that Julia Wendell person believes that she's Madeline and had that DNA test. The DNA test finally came out and Julia Wendell is not Madeline McCann. The DNA test showed that she was not British at all, which both of Madeline's parents are British. And Julia Wendell's DNA showed that she is all Polish, which her parents who are saying Julia is not Madeline they're Polish, like you're not her. So it's it's very strange. I didn't believe that she was Madeline to begin with, but of course there's always gonna be that hope, like maybe she is, but if they actually found her. So I really hope Julia gets the help that she needs because that's a, and people were egging her on, which just probably made the whole thing worse for people to believe this lie that she made up or maybe she really does believe she's Madeline or did. I don't know. I haven't read any articles since the DNA test came out from Julia, but I also hope that her family continues to support her and show love to her so she can get better. I really hope that the McCann family isn't too heartbroken and didn't get their like hopes up for this. Who knows exactly what they were thinking? They put out very little information when Julia was claiming to be Madeline, but I really hope the McCann family finds some answers to what happened to their daughter, Madeline. But I will now get rid of this from my little list of true crime stuff, keeping track of Lori Vallow. And of course, nothing is happening with David Miscavige. Like probably nothing will happen, but I'm st I still got to keep an eye on it, man. Yeah. Oh, I also have a movie wreck. I, I watched this movie called Game Night. It was hilarious. It came out in 2018 starring Jason Bateman and the ever so gorgeous Rachel McAdams. I fucking love that girl. And it's exactly what the title says. That's a it's a game night. Her they're 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 married. Their friends come come over on whatever day out of the week and they have a great game night. But then this one game night uh, like Jason Bateman's brother in the movie shows up and all of a sudden there's like 
shootings and murder and it's just fucking hilarious how it all goes down and it's silly and there's all kinds of action so i highly recommend game night if you guys are into silly action movies and of course wanted to give another podcast recommendation for the podcast haunts graves and omens the show cracks me up it's hosted by fred and taylor they and they also both do like paranormal hunting stuff and I love hearing their personal encounters and their personal paranormal stories. And they talk about all things creepy. And they, of course, got me with their very first episode about the Mothman and the Jersey Devil. Guys, keep up the great work on all the cryptids. I love hearing about everybody's cryptids. And even if I know about them, I loved it. Like, what do you know about it? Because there's always something else that I haven't heard of. But they also cover true crime stuff and they just did the toolbox killer and dude girl you did such a good job and that is such a hard case to cover so if you guys are into you know more of the true crime encrypted and just ghost stories and paranormal stuff give a haunts graves and omens a listen i will post a link to them and in the show notes just check them out they're great i guess we should at least get into the topic this episode <laughs> so more ufo stuff but it's a little bit different this episode. Uh, I am going to be talking about the Betty and Barney Hill UFO abduction in 1961. Before we get into the show, I I will mention that their granddaughter is a famous UFC fighter. And, and I'm a big MMA fan. And Angela Hill is a great mixed martial artist. Angela Hill... She is in the strawweight division in UFC, and she's actually ranked number 13. I just checked right before this. <laughs> so I love watching the fights. So just a little side note that Betty and Barney Hill, their daughter is Angela Hill. If you're into the UFC and MMA, guys, great kickboxer, freaking great. So anyways, back to the abduction, which, as I said, I really wasn't planning on doing any abductions for this series, but the Macabre Family Podcast did suggest it. And I figured, why the fuck not? This this case is already on my list on alien, my little alien list stuff. So let's get the hell into this, right? Okay. Betty and Barney Hill's abduction. A little bit of background on Betty and Barney. Barney was a USPS worker, and he sat on a local board of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights in New Hampshire. I also found an article that stated that Barney had an IQ of 140. So he wasn't a dumb person in the slightest, okay? Betty was a social worker and worked in the Unitarian Congregation in her hometown of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Both Betty and Barney were members of the NAACP, and yes, they were an interracial couple. Barney was a black man and Betty was a white woman. They were both very active in the civil rights movement. So there they are. Let's get into the story. Betty and Barney Hill on September 19th, 1961, were coming home from a three-day trip. They went to Montreal and were visiting Niagara Falls. Well, on September 9th, 1961, they were coming back and they were going to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is their home. They were traveling through Vermont around 10 p.m. that night. So, it, they should be getting home by about 2, maybe 3 a.m. As they were driving, both of them noticed a light in the sky, both of them thinking it could have been a bright star. But as they continued to drive, 
the star seemed to follow them. Things that they noticed about the star is it was much brighter than any other star in the sky. It was also moving with the car, but then this light or object that they were seeing started to like pick up speed and would fly above them, then next to them. Barney was driving, so at one point he slowed the car down. And they saw that this light stopped also and landed ahead of them in front of their car. I was ahead of them on the road quite a ways away. The next thing that Betty and Barney remember is getting drowsy, hearing odd noises from the trunk of their car, and then like they snapped out of it or they came to and they were still driving on the road, right? But by the time they got home, it was much closer or at 5 a.m. compared to 3 a.m. Remember, they were in Vermont at 10 about a five-hour drive to get home to Portsmouth. They were there by five instead of three. Betty and Barney remembered that when they got home, they both felt off. And from what I read, I I actually kind of would like to use the word icky because that's a much better word, I think, that describes the way they were feeling than off. They felt icky, like like their body. They, They felt gross. Barney had to immediately take a shower and wash, and so did Betty. But Barney was like, I that was like his thing. He's like, I have to go take a shower. And I also read in more than one article that he had had to. He like really needed to inspect his genitals. He says that he doesn't know why, but he was really compelled to make sure everything was good down there. Barney also noted that the shoes he was wearing had scuffs on the toes, and he made sure to keep these shoes really nice. Betty noticed that her dress had a rip where the zipper was and that it had some sort of yellow dust on parts of her dress. This same dust was also seen on the trunk of Betty and Barney's car. Their watches had also stopped working. Within a few days after them getting home from their little three-day vacation, Betty started to suffer from dreams specifically disturbing dreams, not scary, not nightmares, but as she put it, disturbing dreams. Barney just started to get ulcers out of nowhere. And I don't know like if this was a stomach ulcer or whatnot, but he started to get ulcers and he was suffering from really like high anxiety, nothing specific causing this anxiety, just always extremely anxious. Betty knew that all of this had to have come from that night when they were on their way home. She started to read up on missing time in the library, like go to the library and start reading stuff up. And she came across some information on a UFO civilian group, and they are called the National Investigative Committee on Aerial Phenomena. They also go by NICAP, N-I-C-A-P, NICAP. She decided to reach out to them along with the U.S. Air Force, thinking maybe one of them could help her and Barney. Maybe the Air Force knew of a craft flying around that night. NICAP and the Air Force each had people go out to interview Betty and Barney. And I'll get to their conclusions at the end of the whole story. Betty's dreams continued to get worse and Barney was still just really anxious all the time. He was also worried about his wife's dreams, which probably made his anxiety worse. And within a couple months after the dream started, they sought to get like psychiatric help. Betty and Barney met with a neurologist who was also a psychiatrist and specialized in hypnosis. His name was Benjamin Simon. 
This is when Benny and Barney got those two missing hours back. This was all done through hypnotic regression. And hypnotic regression, this is done by a trained person, whatever that entails. I don't know how you become a trained hypnotic hypnosis person. I don't know how that works. But anyways, so hypnotic regression, it puts somebody under hypnosis and they start to, the professional starts to ask questions to recover memories through regression. This is a way to have any hidden traumatic memories for that person to like come back and they can remember. Why they do that, I'm sure there's plenty of reasons why. But this is exactly what Betty and Barney went and did. And in Betty and Barney's case, they wanted to know why they had those icky feelings from that night and why they were missing two hours of time. Also, if Betty's dreams have something to do with that night and Barney, like for crying out loud, he was like driving. Okay. Like you think he doesn't want to know where these two, maybe three hours went. He doesn't remember driving and they, they didn't even get that. If you're, if it's like, you can get home in this amount of time and then you get home two hours later. It's like, what? I didn't just stop on the road. Did I? And he, oh, I don't know. I would want to know what happened to those two hours also. Benny and Barney Hill had six months of sessions with Benjamin Simon. All right, so let's go back to that night on September 19th, 1961. Coming home from that three-day vacation and five hours from home. They stopped on the road because that bright object stopped in front of their car. They get drowsy, hear odd noises, and then the next thing they remember is driving again. Two hours behind from when they should have gotten home, right? Okay, so... Through hypnosis, they were able to find out what happened once Barney stopped the car. He stopped the car. He gets out of the car with his binoculars and got to take a closer look at what this bright object was that stopped in front of them. He told Betty as he was looking through the binoculars that this object was so much bigger than any jet or plane he had seen before and that this was, quote, flat as a pancake. He also saw beans inside this object and they were looking at him through these windows, like directly looking at them. And while Barney was looking at the beans through the windows from the binoculars, he all of a sudden like heard something saying, stay calm. You are going to be taken. Don't worry. Stay calm. It was like stuff along the lines of that. But of course, Barney's reaction was like, no, this was like coming through his head through what he described as thought transfer. And Barney didn't know the word telepathy, or I don't know if that was a commonly used word then, but he specifically said thought transfer. But, you know, after, of course, hearing that, he got in back into the car with quickness. All right. So they see the object. Barney gets out of the car to take a closer look with the binos. He hears something telepathically in his head and gets back into the car. As he gets back into the car, that's when a ramp came down from the object. And this is when those beans came out and walked up to the hills as they were in their car. I'm now going to call these beans the greys because that's legit what they are. They saw the greys. So the greys come out on this ramp platform, surround the car, and they... They take Betty and Barney out of the car and they put them into separate rooms. 
Both of them are then laid down onto metal tables with a large light above them, and both then recall that they were being examined on. Barney recalls that he was a little tall for these tables and that his legs actually hung off the edge. So what did the Greys do to them? The Greys removed Betty and Barney's clothes. They took hair samples, nail samples, skin samples. They also remember seeing needles and wires attached to their heads, arms, legs, and spine. Betty really remembers a very large needle that went directly into her stomach. Both of them remember a specific gray that was actually watching the experiments, and both of them called that gray the leader. Now, Betty had some interesting interactions with the grays. She was told by the grays that Barney's teeth were able to be removed, and she had to explain to them that he had dentures. She was also left alone with the leader at one point, and she was able to ask him, where, where am I? Where, where did you take us? Where are we? And according to Betty, and remember, this is all through hypnosis, the leader told her that, quote, if you don't know the universe, then there is no point in telling you where we are, unquote. She did say that the way that it came to her was kind of in a joking, sarcastic manner. Oh, and remember, all of this dialogue was all done telepathically. She was also, Betty was also shown a book that had like stars light, light, lined out on it, but the leader told her that she can't take it with her. So she had like some actual interactions with this leader with the greys. Barney, on the other hand, through this hypnosis, this regression was a much different experience than Betty. Besides the same type of experiments, Barney was very scared during all this. He had absolutely no human type of of interaction with these beings. It was all very, he was just scared. And yeah, so the, these sessions, okay. So there were six sessions for them to get this out. And that's just what happened that night. There's so much more that actually happened to them personally and other things that they were remembering during, like, this was only a few hours that they were on this UFO ship being experimented on by the Greys. But through having these weird dreams that Betty was having and how scared Barney was and just the fact that they kept taking samples and then they were having all these just horrible experiences, at least on Barney's side, uh, it was very interesting. Okay, so it's recorded. I probably forgot to say that. These sessions are recorded. <laughs> so you can listen to a lot of them. And I will post those recordings in the show notes. I did listen to a lot of Betty's because those are what's more available. There's not a whole lot of Barney's recordings re- available, but I did find some. And he's just so scared. Like when he's recalling it, he just seems so scared and I just, yeah, I felt more bad for Barney. Like, he did not have a good experience. Things that Barney kept saying, like, here's some examples from the one that I was really able to listen to, was he actually used the word flying saucer, and he screams and he cries a lot. So something that he kept quoting and saying is, keep your eyes closed. And then he would remember being dragged onto the ship, his feet being bumped onto the rocks. Hello, his shoes were scuffed. 
And then he would repeat, keep your eyes closed. Don't open them. And then he would just scream, guys, just scream. And not only were the greys telling him to keep his eyes closed, but what Barney remembered from that moment, like how he was feeling in that moment, was just how scared of how they looked and how big their eyes were. And he just kept repeating those eyes, those eyes, like they kept getting real close to him and it scared him. And Betty didn't really have that type of reaction. This is one of the most well-known or well-documented UFO abductions in U.S. history, in my humble opinion. But I'm sure you all would like to know what NICAP and the Air Force and Benjamin Simon had to say about this. Since the Air Force and NICAP did interview them, and I believe the Air Force did it for like six hours, dude. After Betty and Barney reached out to NICAP and the Air Force, people came by their home and did some uh, investigating and some interviews. And remember, NICAP is National Investigative Committee on Aerial Phenomena. They concluded that the Hilf's abduction was 100% true. Done. End of story. So, Air Force. And of course, this is the 60s, so it is part of Project Blue Book. Or at least the interviewer is part of Project Blue Book to see if this was like a real thing. The interviewer from the Air Force for the project is Walter Webb. He he did interview them for six hours. I got it in my notes. <laughs> and from the Air Force and Project Blue Book, Walter Webb believes that what the Hills actually saw this UFO was the planet Jupiter. Because it was really close that time of year. And... Yeah, their case was actually completely dismissed, completely dismissed by the Air Force Project Blue Book. So let's talk about this hypnosis guy. Okay, six months of hypnosis, Benjamin Simon. He concluded that Betty dreamed all of this up. And as she was telling Barney, Barney started to believe her dreams and believe that they were real himself, you know. Just two civil rights activists when one of them has an IQ of 140 just randomly believing their dreams. Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense to me. Not. Another explanation, and if I remember correctly, this mainly came from the Air Force. And it's really sad to think about. And what really sucks is this theory of their abduction is actually believed by a lot of people who have right up on it that Betty and Barney were so full of anxiety and paranoia from being a biracial couple in the 1960s and along with the long trek back from Niagara Falls that made both of them tired that they hallucinated or made false memories of the abduction so being under pressure full of anxiety and sleep deprivation made them believe that they were abducted by aliens. I also read some articles that Barry was a vet in World War II, so he could have had PTSD. But specifically through this hypnosis regression, this created the false memories. But they were each hypnotized together and at separate times. And with those separate times, the stories still matched up. And through all those six months of the hypnosis, not, their stories didn't change. And from that six-hour interview from Project Blue Book, nothing changed. Everything was still very much the same and lined up. Like, if you're going to be interviewed for six hours or have 
hypnosis for six months and you're lying about something, they're going to find out. There's a ways to tell. That's a long time and a lot of hours to put in. They're going to know. So me personally, I I believe Betty and Barney Hill were abducted. I find a lot of abduction stories hard to believe, and I can be really skeptical on most abduction stories. But for this, I do, for some reason, just straight up believe them. I'm not sure why. I just do. So please tell me what you think about Betty and Barney Hill's abduction. This was one of the first sightings of the Greys, and they are my favorite type of alien species. (laughs) If you want to listen to the recordings, I will put them in the show notes. Send me some abduction stories, guys, or some suggestions on stories or UFOs. I'm going to do a few more UFO episodes. They're fun. Don't know when I'll get tired of it. I'm sure I will soon. <laughs> and of course, don't forget to go all my social media, Weird Mythic Podcast on Twitter, Weird Mythic Podcast on Instagram, which also has the link tree to all of our websites and merch store, Weird Mythic Podcast on YouTube. And please send me your encounter or a story or suggestion on anything strange. Give me some cryptids, guys. I got a list, but give me a suggestion. Always helps me out. Send that to weirdmythicpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.